Blog Talk Radio. Okay, Brian, go live. Black Politics Today. An eye for what's at stake in global politics and your source for the social, economic, and political impact of public policy on the African-American community. Your host, Kelly Michael Williams, is a political strategy veteran with an undefeated campaign record and the political experience that spans nearly three decades, from Mayor Willie Brown in California to President Barack Obama in our nation's capital. So get ready for a fresh and honest approach on the politics that affect you and your family the most. Now, your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Kelly Michael Williams, and I want to thank you for joining us for the What's at Stake broadcast right here on Black Politics Today. I want to thank you for joining us again, as you do each and every week. And as I do with each and every broadcast, I always pause and thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for just blessing us and to have this broadcast for my guests, especially, because without them, uh, you would have to deal with me with my monologues. And you know how I get with my monologues. I get rantly and raving about everything that's going on that's anti-black or anything else of that nature. So thankfully, we got my experts tonight. You don't have to listen to me rant and rave, go on my tirades that I usually do. But I want to thank them, especially for joining me tonight, uh, because uh, so often there's so much going on. And as we were talking earlier in the back room, we we're talking about there's so many things that are growing in our lives, except we don't have to always think about politics. But tonight, we're going to think about some politics. And tomorrow, we'll go back to our families, our friends, our respective others. We'll draw the line in the sand, and we will not cross it, or we'll cross it however we please. So tonight, I just want to say thank you, Jesus, Whew. because otherwise, you'd be hearing me saying a whole lot, but I got a dinner out of it, so it's okay with me. It's okay with me. <laughs> Beyonce would have to come up with a new song, to the left, to the left, because I would have went far left, okay? I would have went far left had we not been able to pull off what was able to be done this past week on Tuesday. Uh, I started getting a little nervous in my spirit uh, on uh, when I was watching Tuesday night because I was looking at Minnesota. We was able to get that. That's something we were supposed to get. But then I started looking at Florida. Florida didn't call the way I thought it was going to happen. Even though I knew it was a hard hill to climb, I thought it might be close. I thought it might come about, and it didn't. So I was a little concerned about Florida. Uh, but I was even worse. Uh, I guess it made me feel even worse because it was like 300 votes. And that was just ridiculous. I didn't think it should have been that big of a gap. I thought it should have been closer than that. But that just lets you know that, hey, if you don't do your work, if you don't put time in, you don't get time out. So you don't get the results from it. So I got a little, I started feeling a little bit better as, I, as the night went on and, and things started coming about. But there's a true reality that we must face in this country, uh, and the Democratic, Democratic Party needs to face it as, as well. And that is the reality that, one, Donald Trump, has a stranglehold on the Republican Party and on white America. And what does that mean, given his history? This man got 70 million votes. He got what, uh, 6 million, 6 million more than he got in 2016. That's a lot of darn votes. And you know what I want to say. Um, so it, 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 it says something. 
And so now we have to look at these 270 electoral votes uh, that have been banked, uh, 279 that have been banked and some other things are, are coming, I'm sure. Uh, we'll get to Georgia and um, Arizona, what happens in North Carolina, who knows. But the idea that we're gonna file lawsuits and pretend that we can actually take this thing to court is something that I'm questioning why the GOP party is allowing to occur and why are they encouraging and supporting this knowing that there's no legal basis for this to, to ever occur. And what really gets me is I always, and I'm, I'm glad I have, have uh, my guests on tonight, but what, some of the, a, lot of th a lot of things that bother me with the GOP is the hypocrisy. And one of it is they would rail I remember, and I don't know about the rest of the country, but in California, the GOP would rail against Democrats who supported the trial lawyers. And the trial lawyers were the people who would have these uh, uh, lawsuits against uh, personal injury. So they're personal injury attorneys. And they would say that they are, they're filing frivolous lawsuits or if you slip and fall at a, at a, at a you know, place of business and you sue, they would call them frivolous lawsuits. And I'm looking at these lawsuits, seven of which have already been dismissed, which was frivolous, but they're encouraging this saying that there's a legal path to the presidency. Now, a legal path to the presidency rather than a dem democratic or uh, lower D democratic democracy path to the presidency. And I'm thinking, why are you guys supporting this? Why are you guys allowing this to happen? You don't have to be beholden to him any longer, but the reality of it is they do because he got 70 million votes and they are concerned and scared about what's going to happen in their districts. And now you got two races in Georgia that's coming up in January. They need those two races so they can have a majority because if it's, if they get one and it's one, it's, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a split, it's a tie. So Democrats are going to try to get those two and the Republicans, I know Mitch McConnell is going to spend a whole hell of a lot of money trying to get it. So the question is, what's next? What's going to happen now? So joining me tonight is to analyze and decipher what's going to happen, where it's going to be, and what's going to happen is returning guest, uh, adjunct professor, and host of Inside the Issues with Wilmer Leon, Dr. Wilmer Leon III. My brother's coming back to us once again so he can set us straight. Also uh, uh, joining us a little bit later is going to be Dr. Maya Cummings. She's the president and CEO of Global Policy Solutions. And she just released her late husband, um, husband July, uh, Congressman Elijah Cummings' book, We're Better Than This, uh, just uh, last month. So you can find that, and she'll talk about that as well. But also joining us is uh, my good friend. He's been on uh, Black Politics Today since, uh, since we got started, actually, uh, Ralph Ch Chittums, Ralph Chittum Sr., he is the principal of Red Elephant Consulting, a grassroots inner city consulting group seeking to educate and recruit African-Americans on conservative values over to the GOP. And last but not least is Representative Jason Fields. Uh, he is representing 11th District of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we're going to talk to him about Milwaukee and Wisconsin uh, and that battleground state. And they just barely made it by 20,000 votes. And that was a slim margin because that was not even you know, even with that, it was just barely getting by. So I want to welcome everyone to the show. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. It's 516-590-0143. That's 516-590-0143. Uh, 
Uh, Wilmer, let me start with you, my brother, um, and uh, ask you, what does, you know, given, given the whole celebration on Tuesday, everything that happened on Tuesday, I, I was going to ask Maya, but I, I, I thought I'd come to a mail and ask you, what does this moment mean for Black America and to have a VP, the first African-American, Asian, Pacific, uh, Indian, um, as a president, as, as a VP, as the vice president in this moment? What, what does that mean for, for, for us as Black men, but especially as Black women? Well, I think it's a symbolically it is a it's a phenomenal accomplishment to not only to have come from uh, President Obama to to now uh, Vice President Elect Kamala Harris. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. As a as a parent, for me to be able to turn when when uh, President Obama was elected, for me to be able to turn to my son and say. That guy looks just like you. That, right. that guy has hair just like you. That guy, you know, he's you. Um, symbolically, I, I remember when I was, uh, I think my son was, was probably five at the time, and I remember when I was five and six and being told, you can be anything you want. The world is your oyster. You can even be president. Wink, wink. Uh, but now that wink is real. And, and so the same thing for Kamala Harris, whether you're a young man or a young lady, there's when, when, when you do your homework, when you put the work in, uh, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. If you're African-American and can become president or vice president in this, co- in this racist country, then that lets you know that, uh, that, the, that the sky is, is, is your ceiling. But now, with all of that being said, what tangibly, from a policy perspective, what is this going to mean for us? Exactly. And that's where we have to get in the game. Uh, having her there will mean absolutely nothing if we don't force her to represent the interests of the African-American community. We, we didn't do it with Barack Obama. We were right. so happy right. that he was there. Uh, that, you know, eight years later, folks were walking around with empty champagne bottles, still celebrating. And um, even he said, y'all didn't demand anything. Right. And so uh, we and, have and, to hold and, her and to the bar. Democrats across the board didn't stick with him uh, in 2010 uh and and i mean as a as a normal thing didn't show up didn't show out didn't do anything uh and then was complaining the rest of the time when they didn't have control of the house or the senate when they could have had control of both of them had they shown up possibly they would have had that because at that particular point in time the surge was still on even with the even with that tea party movement movement you still had that surge on to support and to push and I think had he really pushed forward some policy issues that he had talked about that first two years, it would have galvanized some of those people to keep moving and keep showing up. Ralph, let me come to you. Go ahead. Just quickly, if I may. Go ahead. One is, I think at that point, there were still a lot of Democrats that were angry with him because they felt that he basically took Hillary Clinton's lunch money and that that was supposed to be her job and that he jumped the line 
took her lunch money and got the popsicles. And when she got there, there weren't any more popsicles left. Uh, the other thing is that he didn't fight. Right. He didn't. He he, he didn't fight for anything. Right. And and he you know, was too busy trying to compromise. Uh huh. Yeah. He was too busy trying to compromise. He was. He. That's all he did was compromise. Yeah. And uh, uh, John Boehner. John Boehner had his number, and uh, John Boehner played him like a Stradivarius. And so, and, and then he had um, uh, his his chief of staff, um, uh, no, his key advisor, Valerie Jarrett. Yeah. Who all she did was tell him, "Don't be too black, don't don't support, don't, don't, you don't want to be you don't want to be in that right. lane." And right. so all of that I think contributed. There was to there was there was that you defer. So let's 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 make it calm. Let's make it good. Let's not go too far because then you don't get that second term, and and you're not gonna really get out there and get it. Um, and Joe Biden is making is chattering the same foolishness now. Unfortunately. All right. So, Ralph, what does it what does it say for America uh, or, or, or more person? Does this say that America is supporting this ticket or are they just accepting it? Um, is it? Is it more of a we wanted to get rid of Trump, so we'll accept it? Or is it that we're supporting it, given the 75 million votes? Um, I, I'm honestly hoping that this election, the people who voted for the Biden-Harris ticket were voting for it more because they hated Trump than they actually supported um, Biden and Harris. Now, wait a minute. Did you say say you're hoping that's the case, or are you saying that was the case? I'm hoping it was the case, because if Black people actually, actually prefer Biden and Harris over Donald Trump, it reveals that the Black community is really completely ignorant of history. Um, Joe Biden, the, the Clinton crime bill, Kamala Harris, her incarceration rates of black males, Kamala Harris withholding exculpatory evidence from two black men on death row that wasn't released until after they had been executed. So I, I hope that there may be election, because it's still up in the air, was more a result of hatred towards Donald Trump than actual support of Biden-Harris policies, because if it's actually support of Biden-Harris policies, what you just witnessed was the biggest case of Stockholm syndrome I have ever seen in my life. I'm waiting on that one, right, Jason? <laughs> you see uh, how, how I'm pausing on that? Um, so, well, I, I love Ralph. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, and in, 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 I sent you the results here in Milwaukee. And so I think it was a combination of some of that stuff. I mean, you know, look, I came out in 2019 and endorsed Biden. Not because, because I know black people and I know Milwaukee. Not because there was a great you know, you know, uh, there was a great choice between the two. And Ralph, I'll say this because a lot of conservative Republicans always throw out the crime bill, particularly black ones. But y'all forget it was black people who supported that stuff too. He won Joe Biden was the own lone white guy that that supported that stuff. It was a whole bunch of black people gave him cover. Now whether we like it or we want to really talk about that stuff or not, that's a different issue. Now. 
you know, at the end of the day, I think you had a lot of people who, look, they, they, they weren't necessarily sold, right, on Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. But the idea that you can choose Trump over those two, I just, I don't see how you can, I don't see how you can logically make that argument, Ralph. I just don't see how you can make it. Because it, 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 it is, here's a person who wasn't, he wasn't qualified to do the job. That's just, he wasn't qualified to do the job. And whether I like Biden or not, let's remove all of that. At the end of the day, I'm looking at somebody who I know can do the job versus somebody who can't do the job. Somebody who has proven that he can't do the job. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this, Ralph. Uh, the crime bill didn't lock up black people. The crime bill put in place the apparatus to make the streets safer with 100,000 officers on the ground across the country. What happened with that crime bill, which all of us know, was that the states got a hold of it and used it to then lock up black folks for nonviolent offenses, which the crime bill was supposed to support, was violent offenses, and then they put them in there because the three strikes law that had started in California got lumped into that bill. But let's look at the uh, 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 Defensive Women's Act in that bill. Let's look at the juvenile courts that was in that bill. Let's look at the drug courts that was in that bill that did not materialize because the states took that out and did not use that. But like Jason said, pastors and 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 the black caucus support the bill but then of course if you do the time if you do the crime you're going to do the time so it wasn't the crime bill that arrested black folks it was the crimes they did that arrested black folks and they went to jail for it now on kamala harris's side there's still no proof that she was withholding evidence of this evidence here evidence there because of the crime uh the crime lab doing whatever they did that was not her. That was a crime lab. Secondly, one thing I know she did do in, in California was she also put in alternative uses for drugs and juveniles so that they didn't have to go to jail or prison. They went to alternative. Because remember in 94, I think it was 94, all the prisons changed from rehabilitation to punishment. And that's when they also started privatizing and they started making money from it. So what happened was, especially in California, we t- I think we talked about this either on my last town hall or even last week maybe, how in California we went from 32 jails to 80 jails. I think it's 80 jails or 56 jails we have right now. Wilmer, correct me if I'm wrong. And those I don't, are I don't know I don't know the current number because I'm not I don't live, I'm not home anymore. Right, those are privatized prisons that are locking up us for any and everything that's going on. But now, as to Jason's point. Donald Trump just didn't want to do the job. He didn't know how to do the job. He didn't care about job. He cared about making money. And he did everything he could to make money. Now, we could say and we can debate and probably agree that a lot of us may not necessarily think Joe Biden is going to do all that much for us. But we can surely say that Donald Trump surely wasn't going to do any more for us than he already said he was going to do and hasn't done anyway. So what? I'm looking at it from a standpoint of what he's done. Look at what he's done. Wait a minute, Ralph. Wait a minute. What? First of all, 
the probably the 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 one person in the world who was surprised at Donald Trump's election in 16 was Donald Trump. Absolutely, I will agree because this was this was this really had nothing to do with his wanting to be president. He was trying to put together a TV network that was going to be further right than he and Robert Ailes, I think Ailes, were going to put together this TV. This was all about uh, producing a TV network. This had nothing to do with him being president. He stumbled into the job and was promoted to his level of incompetence because he just had no, and he had no idea what he was doing and he had no interest in learning what to do. To say that, uh, Black people had Stockholm Syndrome for voting for Biden. Ralph, this is where you really got to get off the talking points. And, and, and you, you, you got to stop with the talking points, man. And you really got to start dealing with reality. Because implicit in that statement is that we're stupid. And that is as far from reality as, as saying that Donald Trump is competent. We overwhelmingly voted for Joe Biden, yes, in opposition to Donald Trump, but also because as intelligent voters, we realized that the Democrats were giving us the most space in which to operate. And so we decided to to vote for that space and operate within that space and expand that space. Now, to, to Kelly's point, we are, we are putting ourselves in a very bad space when we start talking about what is the Biden-Harris ticket going to do for us. That's why I was very clear at the beginning, they won't do anything more than we force them to do. Right, exactly. So if we sit back and party and thinking it's all good in the neighborhood, no, sir, we're going to get stuck again. But what the emphasis now to do anything when you've extracted absolutely no promises from them? Oh, I agree with you. Let me tell you what. John Clyburn, if I could smack him in the back of his head, I would smack him in the back of his head because he he sold us Joe Biden and got nothing for it. You are absolutely right, Ralph, on that point. Right. We know Joe and Joe knows us. Man, get out of here with that foolishness. Absolutely. Right. But, but wait a minute. But that but, doesn't mean that, that that a that doesn't mean we're stupid voters. No, but I never they, they, just because implicit of, in your statement when you say that if that for us to vote for for for, for Joe Biden is Stockholm syndrome, you are saying Ralph Chittum Senior that we are stupid. That that, that is not that, there is no correlation between those two statements. Okay. Okay. Now, go ahead. But let's talk about something that Kelly brought up. In Barack Obama's first two years in office, Democrats had the White House, they had the Senate, and they had the House of Representatives, correct? Correct. Barack Obama's first two years. Those of us who know Barack Obama and Congress could have made Italian the national language of the United States of America, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing anybody could have done about it. The biggest problem I have with Barack Obama is he came in and he was told by Republicans, which was a stupid statement off the break, 
that we are going to make sure you are a one-term president. Mm -hmm. What Barack Obama should have done at that point is he should have put some some, um, pool hall chalk on the tip of his shoes and kicked every Republican congressman dead up his you-know-what and used Mm -hmm. the pulpit that he had for those first two years to bully a black agenda. He didn't do it because he said out of his own mouth, I am not the president of black America. And then for the next eight years, he proved it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Vice president, and? and now we have his vice president that black America has now ushered back into the White House. Who we, now we have an eight-year track record that you didn't do crap for black America. You may not like Trump's style. You may not like his tweets. I don't like his style all the time. I don't like his tweets all the time. The other day when he was on TV, I hollered at the screen and told him to shut up. Okay, what do you like? What do you like? What is there to like? But we've got got almost 300,000 people dead in this country because of his inaction. What do you like? For HBCUs, we have federal prisoners who are being released, predominantly black federal prisoners who are being released. Prior to COVID, we had the highest black unemployment, I'm sorry, the highest black employment rate in the United States in the history of the United States. So yeah, Donald Trump- And what kind of jobs were those? I have problems with tweets. I can say that Donald Trump did not do anything that benefits black America is a lie. Okay, but wait a minute, Ralph. Let me let me let me do two things with you. First of all, Donald Trump had the House and the Senate first two years well. He didn't get anything done with that, except for his tax bill, which Mitch McConnell did, which didn't benefit nobody black. Secondly, uh, that uh, HBCUs, all Donald Trump did was sign the bill. That was Alma Adams' bill in North Carolina. All he did was sign it. it If it doesn't get signed by the president... But but the the point is that he didn't do it. have to sign it. Yeah, but he didn't do it. So it's not his bill. So he didn't do it. He just signed it. Who signed it? He signed it, but but it's not his bill. In the end of it. Okay, it's not his bill. Secondly, secondly, I'm actually on number three. Number three is, and and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, prisoners were released and in fact, their sentences were reduced and some commuted because of first-time offenders and things of that nature under Obama and uh, Eric Holder, because they went in there and changed the laws until um, Jeff Session got back in office, and then he got eliminated that and then started tacking on additional crimes and charging people so they can spend more time in prison. But didn't Donald Trump signed the Second Chance Act? He signed yes, it. He signed it. But again, not- but again... Not what I'm talking about, black federal prisoner. Okay, Ralph. Ralph. Yes, he did. Ralph. Yes, he did. We're agreeing. What I'm saying is, he was not the brain trust of it. It was not his idea. All he did was do what Mitch McConnell told him to do. So everything he said. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We can't hear you. We can't hear whoever you, Ralph. The crown gets the blame, and whoever wears the crown gets the credit. Okay, so then he should also take the blame for 240,000 people dead, 
which nobody wants to put the name on. Pump your brakes, Dr. Fauci. No, 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 not Dr. Fauci. No, 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 Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks both said that if the coronavirus is handled perfectly in this country, this is what they said. This is not Ralph speaking. This is what they said. They said if we have 200,000 deaths in this country, we will have handled the virus perfectly because they projected 2 million. Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burke said this. Go back and look it up. Okay, Ralph. Where are are our death totals right now? About 250 million. Therefore, by the words of the professionals themselves, Donald Trump has handled this coronavirus perfectly. Ralph, Ralph, Ralph. Ralph. Go to Google and look at what those two doctors had to say. Ralph. And then I can talk to you. And then they came back and corrected whatever you just thought that they said, came back and said, this is what we have to do. We have to social distance, we have to put on masks, all right? If we don't, we're going to lose millions. Wait a minute, Ralph. I'll let you talk. I'll let you talk, Ralph. Ralph, Ralph, come on now, Ralph. You know how we do on this show. You talk, I listen. I talk, you listen. So we did that. Donald Trump has done absolutely nothing. He hasn't handled it perfectly. He has done absolutely nothing to help or to save the lives of Americans. Maya, come on in here. I, I, I'm going to skip the question I had for you before because it was all about, you know, Kamala and, and the excitement and everything else. Jump into this discussion. And so, cause I, saw your, I saw your facial expression. Turn up your volume. Tur- turn up your volume for me. Turn up your volume. Um, but jump on in here and uh, and uh, and let's uh, let's let's talk about this because go ahead. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. About the administration, and I put response in quotes because it's been a lack of response. Uh, has been genocidal, uh, simply genocidal in terms of the devastation on uh, human beings. Uh, we've had uh, four. Deaths, Americans die uh, from this COVID-19, you know, pandemic uh, than in the last, in the recent wars that we've had combined. Uh, And and there were disproportionately black and brown people. Uh, We had Donald Trump using disinformation and misinformation, saying that people that use bleach to cure it, uh, saying that, you know, that, you know, that, you know, that clock. Uh, you know, um, you know, cures would work, including you know, uh, uh, hydrochloroquine, which turned out to be nothing. It turned out uh, to be a death wish for some people, for the veterans. So, so basically, what we've had is uh, an administration. And by the way, they come out that they initially considered developing a national plan, but then they figured out that it was hitting blue states more than it was hitting red states, and they decided to drop it because it wasn't worth it. They were okay with people dying in blue states as long as we're blue states. Uh, so it's been genocidal. Uh, the response uh, has been genocidal. Uh, and certainly, I think that the, uh, the vote that we just saw this last Tuesday and the results uh, were a referendum on their lack of competence uh, when it came to uh, the coronavirus. Jason, uh, to that point, Jared Kushner actually said that. He said, uh, 
Yeah, well, we saw that uh, it, it was going to, uh, we were going to do something, but we saw it's going to uh, impact blue states more than red states. So we decided to shelve that and, and move on. The idea that you have the president of the United States talking about blue states and red states, and he's not going to do anything because blue states are the ones where the problem is, it's not bothering red states until obviously now, where literally 40 of the 50 states have increased and gotten to points where the rural America, where all his votes are coming from, they don't have any hospitals that can contain them. The, the positivity rate is like 30 to 40% in like South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, Oklahoma, all these red states, right? 40, 30% positivity rate when Dr. Fauci says, if you have anything above, what, 6%, I think it is, it, it, you know, we're, we're, we're going the wrong direction. Besides this pandemic that we know we're in, that could literally become something where, because of what they wanted to do, would literally be this, was it herd immunity? Just let 7 million people die. And then finally, we'll get to a point where the, the virus, the uh, what's it called, the uh, vaccination will start being used. It's going to take a year to even get the vaccination out, right? Thinking about it from the, the point that and Ralph- And kill 7 million people in the process. Exactly. Thinking yeah. about this from the standpoint that Ralph was talking about, uh, from the 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 the, the uh, uh, HBCUs to the the release of the the folks uh, there, Donald. I mean, even if we give you that, I mean, those are two things that we did great. We got it. But what else is there to point to for Black America? And what would we have pointed to in a second term, given what we know? This race was never about policy items. I mean, this was not. There was. You can make all the policies. We can agree and disagree on policy that come out of, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, we can argue about that all day. This, this is not what this election was about. This election was purely about, do we trust you? And do we trust your character? And at the end of the day, when you have a president who's, uh, these countries are, you know, asshole countries. When you we, talk we, about, we, when you talk about you a city or state, Baltimore, as, as if you're not the president. When you talk about all these items, when you separate all these people into categories, when you make statements like there were good people on both ends, all the policy stuff went out the window. All this stuff was out the window. At, at this point, this race boils down to do we trust you? Are you even somebody we feel comfortable with? And are you qualified to be the president? And you have you you have a resounding answer to that, and here's what I would say. This is this is this, this. I was talking to my wife and my my staff. When the whole world comes out and celebrates because you go, that's that that says something. Like this, this, that's not about policy. That's about you as a human being. This is what this election was about. We could talk all the policy, Democrat, Republican. He was just a bad person. He was a bad, evil person. That's why he's gone. Well, the policy was bad, too. Oh, by the way. <laughs> oh, by the way, the policy was bad, too. <laughs> so, so, so let me ask you, Ralph, looking at, looking at it from, from the standpoint of, of, of the, the, the victories there, but you have some, some of the folks in the party still trying to talk about Donald Trump can take the presidency, can still win, and take it through a legal channel. What is your perspective about that? And do you think that's the right move for your party to do is trying to go a legal route 
and then try to get this to Supreme Court so you can get uh, uh, Coney Barrett to say, yeah, we're going to make him president? Well, I think if anyone looks at some of the challenges dispassionately and just intellectually, there's merit to some of these arguments. Um, for example, can my undergraduate degree is in political science. Oh, wow. And then try to get this to Supreme Court so you can get Tony uh, uh, Barrett to say, yeah, we're going to make him president. Well, as I think say, I was interrupted. Yeah, you was interrupted. I clicked the wrong button. Go ahead. You understand things such as standard deviations, because we st- we have to study statistics when we study political science. In Wisconsin, they had an 89% voter turnout rate, which is 5.5 standard deviation difference from the historic voter turnout. For those of you who have studied political science and statistics, you know that anything over 3% of a standard deviation is virtually statistically impossible. That being the case with a 5.5 standard deviation, doesn't that merit looking into simply from an intellectual standpoint? So this has been a historic and unprecedented election on many fronts. So if we're talking about, I think it's important to understand uh, that nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm having trouble hearing this coming. She's breaking up. Can't hear me. You're breaking you're, you're up. Just a little up. Bit. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry about that. What about now? Okay. Okay. now? Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead and try. Yeah, so basically, um, you know, uh, normal elections at approximately 50% uh, at the lower end of the uh, voting electorate uh, turning out to vote. This is not a normal election cycle. We had approximately 75% of the eligible voting public turning out to vote. Uh, This was unprecedented in terms of its scope. Uh, And so certainly uh, we see a lot of deviation in terms of of numbers. Uh, In terms of margin of error, uh, state by state, uh, et cetera, et cetera, I mean, all of that taken into um, context uh, with regard the unprecedented turnout. Um, third, the president has the ability uh, to actually uh, basically confirm his loss. Uh, and I would expect that that is the process that he's going through right now. But certainly, uh, several of the lawsuits have already been tossed out. Um, and we can expect to probably see more of them tossed out uh, as the, uh, the certifications and then the recounts come through. Uh, with, uh, you know, with, um, with more information about the final count. Wilmer, um, if, if, if Ralph is, you know, given Ralph's um, um, analysis, given Ralph's analysis, that would mean not only would we need to check Biden's votes, but we got to check Trump's too. He got 70 million. He got 6 million more than he got in 2016. So we can't just check Biden's votes. We got to check Trump's too. And you can't just check the votes in Pennsylvania. You can't just check the votes in Arizona and Nevada. You can't just check the votes in the states where Trump thought he could carry the day and then failed to carry the day. For example, when you look at Arizona, I have been saying for the last six or at least six years 
that Arizona was going to trend blue. And I was saying that not because my crystal ball works, even though it does. I was saying that because I was looking at the demographic shifts in the state as people from California are moving into Arizona, as more immigrants are becoming naturalized citizens in Arizona. As you look, if you look at the, if you look at the age demographic, this, over the last two years, you've had, I think, like 600,000 uh, uh, children of immigrants come of age and come of voting age in Arizona. All of these things were trending to, in fact, if you look at the numbers from 2016, Trump didn't win Arizona. If you, if you look at the number of people that were stricken from the rolls in Arizona, not allowed to vote in 2016 in Arizona, and you look at the, at the ethnic demographic of those people, he didn't win Arizona in 2016. But this year, the turnout was such that the Democrats were able to overwhelm the voter suppression tactics with turnout. And that's what happened in, that's what happened in Michigan. Turnout this year overwhelmed the voter suppression tactics. Trump won Michigan in 16, I think, by 10,400 votes. There were 72,000 votes in Michigan that were never counted. And those votes came from Detroit and came from Flint. And we know how they roll in Detroit and Flint. He didn't win Michigan in 2016, if you, if you factor those things in. So what happened with this historic turnout, the historic turnout offset the voter suppression tactics all across this country. So Ralph, your, 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 your standard deviation of, of plus or minus five, I got that. But, but to, uh, to Maya's point, this was a historic election, historic turnout. That deviation can easily be explained, and the courts are proving that. Too. They're just dismissing that stuff, saying, come on, bring us something better than that. Well, they, have, they haven't dismissed that one. And oh, well. <laughs> okay. And well, no, I, I know they haven't, but give them a minute. So, Ralph, but what, where is, is, is that, that going to be nationwide, or is that only going to be in certain states? Yeah. I'm sorry. I said, is that going to be nationwide or only in certain states? Because you can't cherry-pick states. I wouldn't care if they did it nationwide. I don't care. Look, all I want is for every legal vote to be counted. That's Ralph, all I. That's Ralph, all I care Ralph, about. Ralph. And do they every, count illegal votes, Ralph? Do they count illegal and, votes? And, and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris win. God bless them. But Ralph, do they count illegal votes? Well, the um, one of the election commissioners in Georgia, at a press conference this afternoon at 3 p.m., admitted that there were votes that were counted in Georgia that were illegal. And how were he, they illegal? Yes, the, one of the Georgia election officials admitted well, how, how, how illegal. were they illegal. How were they illegal? He didn't get into the weeds. He didn't explain it. He just made the statement. All I'm saying is whoever wins the election, fairly and squarely, this is, this is a solution looking for a problem. He finished. Let me that's, finish. that's what this is. If after every legal vote is counted and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are declared the winner, God bless them and peace be the journey. I just want to make sure that every legal vote is counted and every illegal or invalid vote is not counted. Okay. Let's look at it. Let me ask you something, Ralph. Is it illegal in this country? Is it, is it a felony in this country 
to cast an illegal ballot. Is it a felony? Yes. Um, I'm not a lawyer, so I can answer that question. The answer to the question is yes. It is a felony in this country to cast an illegal ballot. Can you tell me in the last 10 years how many people in this country have been arrested and charged with voting illegally? I can't tell you that. Again, it's probably less than 10. It's actually five, and I can tell you who it was. And that's less than 10. Thank you very much. Two in Wisconsin, and there was the chief of staff and the campaign manager for Scott Walker. It's the young lady in Texas that they put and gave her, I think, five years for when she was a uh, she was on probation or on parole. She didn't know that she could not vote, and she voted. It's the brother in Florida who was the same way. He was released. And he voted, and they told him he wasn't supposed to, and he got arrested. And then there's the brother in North Carolina, the dude who fixed the campaign two years ago in District 9, right, for Republicans, and that's happened. So out of the five, three of them have been Republicans. In fact, in every case of actual voter fraud, every last one who's been arrested has been a Republican. Only two people have been arrested, and they voted by mistake, not knowing, because they had felony records, and they were African-American, and they got the longest sentence out of all of them. They weren't intentionally voting illegally. They voted by mistake. The three who intentionally voted illegally, and now, oh, wait, wait, let me add one more. Hold on, Ross, and let me add one more. The congressman from Kansas, he's under indictment. Chris Kobach. Not Chris Kobach, but the oh. other, uh, he's current congressman. He's okay. under indictment for voting twice in his own election. And that's four. All of them are Republican. All of them are white. And all of them have been indicted. The three have been arrested and going to jail. Just... But... Go the, ahead, Maya. The, 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 the statistics on illegal no. voting in this country, point zero, 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 six. Exactly. Since you want to quote statistics in standard deviations, that's the percentage of illegal voting in this country. It does not happen. It just doesn't happen. happen. Yes, mistakes are made because it is an imperfect process. But illegal voting in this country statistically doesn't happen. Go ahead, Maya. This is news straight off the press. Attorney General William Barr has authorized federal prosecutors across the United States to pursue substantial allegations of irregularity before the 2020 presidential election is certified, despite little evidence of fraud. It gives prosecutors the ability to go around longstanding Justice Department policy that normally would prohibit such an overt act before the election is certified. So um, now we've got the Justice Department. Uh, trying to turn every, uh, every uh, um, rumor right. they have towards going out and finally prosecuting fraud uh, to try to, to subvert the, uh, the, the the election that we just had and to subvert democracy itself. So, and unless they find six million votes out there of fraud, uh, Jason. They just out there doing some shenanigans so they can then try to say we're going to take this to the Supreme Court. And quite honestly, you are going to have a revolutionary civil war going on up in this country if they do some dumb crap like that. And you know what I really want to say. 
I mean, it's, it's, even if you, number one, the, the, even in Wisconsin, if you do a recount, you're not, he's not going to make up the difference. Like, this is, yeah. it's, it's not going to happen. Now what they're trying to do is, I think this is the, the conservative agenda, strategic agenda, trying to go through all the legislatures across the state to have them change the law right. to now, you know, give power to the legislature to start to look at these elections. The problem with that is it's disingenuous. It, it, there, there's no viable basis to do this. You can't make up the numbers. Even if you give Donald Trump state, he's still going to fall short on the Electoral College vote. So part of this is, I believe, just like Kelly said in the beginning, they have to keep the momentum because now some of those uh, Republican legislators are nervous, scared, and they have to make sure they protect their that base because they didn't know he was going to maintain this kind of power, even though he lost. And so now they don't know how to get away from him. And so now they're not saying anything. They should be telling him, hey, it's over. We lost. It's time to move on. But they're not going to do that because they're afraid. This is going to change nothing. But this is, a, this is the irony of it, Maya. If he had won, there would be no question about voter fraud. They wouldn't be talking about voter fraud. It's only because he lost. They're talking about voter fraud. They're talking about going and investigating. There's no way in hell William Barr would investigate any, even if he knew there was some illegality going on and Trump won. So the BS that they're pulling here is just strictly that BS. And it's, it's ridiculous because I think they really want to, I think they want to uh, uh, keep it so that their votes are not certified by December 6th. And then they want to be able to try to shift it to their legislatures so the legislators could then put in new electors. But they have to go into session to do that. So correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Representative Fields, and I want Maya to answer, but correct me if I'm wrong. If they, they cannot call a session on their own unless the governor calls a session. So the governor has to call a session in Wisconsin, in Philadelphia, in these states that, uh, that uh, um, Biden won. So if the governor doesn't call a session, they can't go into session to try to change any law. So they're shit out of luck anyway. So, Maya, talk to me. So, what's the question? I'm sorry. So, so, the question is this. I'm sorry, I went through. The question is this. All they're looking to do is try to delay tactics and try to push forward. And the reality of it is, is that they would not have gotten, they would not have been trying to check any ballots had Trump okay. won. Absolutely. Well, this is absolutely uh, about, and this is, by the way, this is power politics. Uh, they're basically, um, you know, subverting democracy, subverting our constitution, trampling all over uh, the rule of law uh, to try to push a serious uh, argument uh, that they can't uh, actually prove. But they're going to test. Uh, they're going to test and push anyway. Uh, and they, it's shameful because what we're seeing globally and what the world is seeing is that you know, the, the democracy that America has held up all these years and has pushed around the world. Uh, is basically, um, you know, subject to fraudulent, uh, uh, fraudulent uh, actors too. Um, and so, you know, basically, be pushing this. By the way, uh, Kelly, uh, Michael, uh, Michael, if um, if you know, if it weren't Georgia, Philadelphia, and Nevada, I mean, they would love to investigate black and brown voters. Uh, and so what the President of the United States is doing is the same path that he's been doing with, you know, states uh, or urban areas trying to validate uh, urban cities being a part of America. 
by trying to invalidate black and brown voters from uh, disproportionate, uh, disproportionately black and brown states with the vote uh, brought in the difference, the mark of victory to Biden. So this is just a, a scam, and it's a scandal at the Ralph, do you support this idea that the Attorney General of the United States is going against every protocol of the Justice Department to try to investigate voting irregularities or voting fraud, as they call it, when they have no evidence of it. Because in all of the cases that they filed, the seven to eight cases that they filed prior to and they claim voter fraud, not one person, not one ballot, not one anything that they bring as evidence to the district court, the state court, or the Supreme Court to validate their claim. Now you're using the Attorney General of the United States to now go around and investigate something that clearly has no validity to it whatsoever. But now, do you support this? And if so, would you have supported the idea of them investigating and looking into fraudulent ballots for Trump the same way you think it should be done for Biden? Well, first and first, the winner never requests an investigation. It's always the loser. And if Biden had lost, I'm sure that they would have requested some sort of investigation into states that were close. That, that, that's just a fact. They wouldn't have investigated that. They would call for a recall. That's it. They wouldn't have to call for an investigation because they wouldn't have gotten one. Well, okay. But now, in Pennsylvania, the Supreme Court has requested the segregation of ballots received after a certain um, hour of the day from other ballots because there is a possibility that those ballots might be invalidated. So to say that every claim of the Trump administration has been spurious and has been um, knocked down is not true. No, it is true. Wait, that's not a fraud issue. That's a process issue. What I said before. Exactly. I want every legal vote to be counted. I want every invalid vote not to count. And if... Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are the winners. You will not see me on the street protesting. You will not see me on the street burning up buildings and looting stores and everything else. If he turns out to have been the legitimately elected president of the United States, peace be to Germany. So, Ralph, so Ralph do you do you question? Let's answer the question. Okay. Let's done in a timely manner, okay. and then let's move on as a country. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Do you literally believe that there are 7 million votes out there that are illegal for, for uh, Joe Biden? Um, well, it doesn't have to be 7 million. It depends upon where um, okay. so there are how many. So let, let, me, let me go by state. Do you think there's 22 million illegal votes in Wisconsin? I mean, 22,000, 22,000. You think there's 22,000 or 20,000 plus one? You think there's 20,000 plus one in, in Wisconsin? So that's a possibility, yeah. Okay, so you think there's 15,000 in Georgia that are illegal? Well, considering the fact that one of the election officials in Georgia stated this afternoon that they confirmed that there are invalid um, ballots in the state of Georgia, I think that begs the question that we need to look into the ballots in Georgia. Okay. When you have, so, so, when you have an official an election official making that admission. Was he Democrat or Republican, Ralph? I, I don't, 
He's an election official. I don't know what party he's in. Okay, well, I he's, he's, he's with the Secretary of State, so he's Republican. So let me go no, to the Philadelphia. He was not the Secretary of State. No, I said he's with the Secretary of State's office, so he's a Republican. So let me go to Pennsylvania. Do you think there is, it's a 36 uh, margin. You think there's 36,000 votes in Pennsylvania that are illegal? Um, let, let, let me ask you that. Let me ask you a question before wait, I answer the question. Do you really think that in Philadelphia that there are precincts where Donald Trump did not get one vote? Not one. I'm, I'm I sure there is. If it's a black I'm, precinct, if it's a black precinct in Philly, one vote in every precinct in Washington D.C. It is a statistical impossibility that Donald Trump did not get one vote in a number of precincts in Philadelphia. Come on, let's Ralph, let's let's, let's, be, let's be honest here. Let's be honest, Ralph. We're talking about black precincts. There's a possibility that a white man who has been deemed racist would not get a vote in Philly. It is possible. You know how Philly is. We both know how Philly is. And we know how Washington, D.C. is. And Washington, D.C. is just... But even even as liberal as Washington, D.C. is, we're open because it it, it doesn't matter because it's a nonpartisan race. We're talking about Philadelphia. Yes, it's possible. But let me ask you this. Do you think in Arizona there are 10,000 illegal votes in Arizona? That's a possibility. And then you also think that there's 10,000, I think it's 10,000, no, it's 22,000 in Nevada that are illegal. That's probably, uh... So you think there's illegal votes in Arizona? No, I didn't say, I think, I said there's a possibility. Well, yeah, that's what I said. I think definitively that anyone did anything illegal, what I'm saying is that there's enough smoke that we need to investigate as to whether or not there's a fire. Where's the smoke? Where's the smoke? Don't you think by now you found eight? Uh, you found eight um, uh, uh, cases or eight um, petitions, right? The Trump administration has filed eight. They filed in Arizona, they filed in Pennsylvania, they filed in Georgia, they filed in Nevada, and they filed in Wisconsin. The state courts now in Wisconsin it's Republican controlled. In Georgia it's Republican controlled. In Pennsylvania. It's Republican control. In Arizona, it's Republican control. In every one of those states, Republicans control the state legislature, the courts, the um, from in some of those states, it's the governor, the the election commission, everything. Do you really think that they would not do everything they can to help Donald Trump win and throw up and keep these cases alive? If there was any evidence, they would have brought the evidence to court. Because that when you file a petition, when you file a a, um, um, a brief, you usually put your evidence in with that. So when you go to court, you can then argue the evidence. They went to court and they argued. They got thrown out, Ralph. So where is the evidence for this? Help me out here, Wilmer. You're sitting there quiet. Help me out. I mean, it's, it's a mute point. Well, I'm, 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 point, I'm sitting here quiet out of respect to your process, but also I was trying to run to ground some of this Georgia stuff. And here's what we've got. And this is from one of the, what is it, Channel 11, 11 Alive in, uh, in Georgia. Small amounts of votes, most, mostly provisional ballots that had until Friday to be cleared by the voter have continued to trickle in from various counties over the weekend. 
It hasn't changed the overall calculus by much, with Biden still leading the state. The office of Governor Brian Kemp is urging the Secretary of State to take a serious look at any and all voting irregularity allegations that have been made, pointing to the close out and the record number of mail and absentee ballots cast. At this point, no agency in the state has confirmed any cases of voter fraud so far. So uh, this is, you, you, you're chasing ghosts here. And, and none of the, none of the, um, none of the charges filed by the administration have been held up by the court. We do know that Amy Coney Barrett was put there to side for Trump. We know that she was an attorney working for George Bush in 2000 in Bush v. Gore. We know that Roberts was an attorney working for Bush in 2000 in Bush v. Gore. We know that Kavanaugh was an attorney working for Bush in Bush v. Gore. He's been stacking the court to, for this moment. We know that. And it doesn't appear as though a case is going to come before the court for them to decide because there are no merits. What the lower courts are already deciding is there are no merits to these claims. We need to move on. Kelly, I, Ralph, I got I, I love you, Ralph, but I got to say, I'm hurt. I'm hurt that you think we that raggedy that we would screw up 20,000 votes. <laughs> I am hurt that you think we that raggedy. It was <laughs> when, when historically it hasn't happened. You, you think that little of us, man? <laughs> but thinking of this, right. the next thing, the next thing you're gonna tell us is, is what, what did, what did, um, what did, what's his name, the former, the former mayor of New York. Uh, the president's attorney. Uh, Giuliani. Uh, Giuliani said, Giuliani said the, the, the votes may have come from Mars. So, yeah, the Viking space probe went to Mars, got these <laughs> votes, and brought them back. Come on, man. It's the same amount he won by in your state, uh, uh, Jason, the same amount. I mean, what, what are we talking about here? It, it, your, your state showed up, but even black folks didn't vote the way they were supposed to. They, they, they still were, what, 5,100 votes shy of what Clinton did in 16, and he was still able to win, um, but black folks still didn't even show out the way they and should have in Milwaukee proper. No, and in fact, he, he, Donald Trump actually got more votes, amazingly, out of uh, more areas than, in black areas than he had before. And so the idea that it somehow is wrong or that, it, you know, we screwed up that much. No, I mean, you had a, you had a progressive area like Madison, which really carried the state of Wisconsin through, uh, right. which is, if you look at the demographics of Madison, it's the most progressive liberal place in the, in the state. Uh, that's what got him through in 20,000. Even if we, the recount, it's not going to change anything. Historically, what maybe 300 at most yeah, no more than 400 votes get have been changed yeah, so it, it, it's not it's not going to change anything and as much as black folks you know they didn't come out hardcore like we like i quite honestly like i really wanted them to but um this is this is all strategy and, and again ralph i'm hurt you think we had a raggedy man i'm hurt 
and, and look at and look at the bigger look at look at part of the bigger picture here in terms of what this is doing. Well, the damage that Trump has done to the to the image of this country uh, internationally um, is that's already done. But the United States holds itself out, and we know that it isn't true. But it holds itself out as as Ronald Reagan said, you know, the, the shining city on the hill, the beacon of democracy. We traverse the world in many instances claiming to bring democracy at the barrel of a gun. And here we are, we we are all whether it's countries on the continent, whether it's countries in Central and South America, we are forever, forever saying that these so called socialist countries, their their elections are fixed. And and look at, I mean, they're laughing at Maduro in Venezuela is laughing at us. Rouhani in Iran is laughing at us. Xi in China, Putin in Russia, Cuba, they're laughing at us on the floor of the United Nations. If you read any of the speeches from last week or two weeks ago, the 75th uh, anniversary of the, of, the, of the General Assembly, and I wrote a piece which called The Unaligned Nations Have Realigned. All of these countries, we are the laughing stock of the world because of Donald Trump. Ralph, well, you you can't support this dude, man. Well, I, I guess he's, he's, he's selling bad dope in the community. Well, I guess you didn't see the mass demonstrations in Nigeria in support of this president. Well, and how many of those Nigerians voted for him? Well, you're bringing us. Well, no, no, you're bringing a foreign country saying that they hate us. I'm just saying, I guess you didn't see the, the hundreds of thousands of Nigerians parading in the streets in support of the president. So you can't argue one thing and then ignore something else. If you're going to bring up A, I'm going to bring up B. And so, okay, so I mentioned, I mentioned Venezuela. I didn't mention Bolivia, but we can mention Bolivia. Uh, I mentioned Iran, China, Cuba. Let's go to France. Let's go to Germany. I mentioned Russia, so that's eight, and you throw in Nigeria. Okay. Maya. Well, I was in Mexico three weeks on vacation, and let me tell you right now. You ran across the Mexican who said he liked Donald Trump. In the heart of Mexico, there is no animus towards the United States for Donald Trump whatsoever. I was just there boots on the ground personally. So, you know, I'm, I don't I mean, I have the stats on all of these countries, but, you know, you talk about Maduro and Venezuela and all the rest of these countries. Honestly, care what they think. I don't care what um, what's his face in Trudeau in Canada thinks. I don't care what Merkel thinks. That and that's the problem that I think we've had here in the United States. We have cared so much what other countries think that we have forgotten that we are the United States of America. We are the 800-pound gorilla in the room. We don't go around on an apology tour kissing the butts of mullahs and, and dictators. No, we tell them. That game, that game ended. That, that, game, the, the, that, that game is over, Ralph. That, yeah. that, on a serious tip, partner. That, yeah. that game is over, man. That isolationist, is is isolationist mentality. Okay. And, and we're the 800-pound we're gorilla in the room. China yeah. is kicking our natural bone behind economically. Economically, look at the growth of China's economy, Ralph. If Biden becomes president and removes all of the tariffs that um, Trump has placed on their goods, they're going to crush us economically. The only people that those tariffs hurt were the farmers in Idaho. 
Because of China, Trump's China why, policy. Why would, why would we need to give them a bailout if we were doing so great? What's your question? I was saying, why do we need to give the farmers a bailout, two bailouts, mind you, two bailouts that we gave them, right, because of the tariffs that he put on China, but they can't oh, do the damn thing. I know why. Because he, he was doing that to buy their votes. Exactly. Because exactly. that, money, that money went to agribusness. That money didn't exactly. find it its didn't way down to no the small exactly. family farmer. And I know exactly. that went to Archer Daniels Midland. Okay. That money, that, that money, that, no, he bought, he, he was buying votes with that, with that money. And, and all those companies. Maya, um, moving forward, looking looking to Georgia and, and looking at uh, what's coming up here in January and, 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 and trying to see how these two Senate races are going to play out, given, given Stacey and, and Latasha Brown's efforts and what they did down there in Georgia to, to really pull off something remarkable. Is there still enough out there, 800,000 folks that registered, but is there enough out there for them to get Warnock and uh, ISOP over the top, given yeah. that um, the Republicans had a split ticket because they're with, uh, with uh, I can't think of his name, um, the, the young lady and, and the guy, the Republicans, they split that, that, that Republican vote. Do we have enough that we can move, move mountains in Georgia to get them, get them across the line in January? Yeah, I mean, Warnock, what, like, like 12, 15 people in his race uh, on the Democratic side? Yeah. So talking about consolidating all of the uh, – now it's all like two, two, it's two people. It's one against the Republican against the Democrat. You get rid of all of the other people. Uh, and so, presumably, you consolidate all book voters. If you can keep the turnout level the level that they were in this last election, mm-hmm. then you can push Warnock and Johnson to the top and, and basically take back the Senate with Kamala Harris, Vice President Kamala Harris being a deciding, deciding vote. vote. And so, you know, that is a very real possibility. It's going to take, I think, everybody, everybody. Democrat, everybody who's concerned about the balance of power in the Senate across the United States of America to make that happen with donations, with volunteer support, uh, with, you know, certainly uh, with the voters being turned out um, in massive levels in Georgia, uh, that it can happen. It's going to be a power struggle because, you know, Mitch is going to spend some money. He ain't trying to leave. This is his last term. He's going out on his deathbed on this term. This is his last one. And so he's going to be, what, 80, what, 86 by the time he walk out of here uh, and uh, um, do it. So are, is, is there going to be enough money and funds? Because my concern is the, the people who crossed over and voted for Biden in Georgia, the, the white Republicans or white independents are going to be like, yeah, but I want to put some checks and balances on Biden. I don't want him to have everything not recognizing and realizing that even when the Senate was, you know, controlled now by Republicans, they moved nothing. They did absolutely nothing for the last two and a half years. And, and even no matter what Trump was talking about, when now, no matter what um, Mitch McConnell was talking about, they moved nothing either except for judgeships. And, and they didn't do a second coronavirus bill. They did nothing. So the idea that they want to do that again is counterintuitive, but but are they going to be willing to say no? Let's give Biden the House, the Senate, and the uh, White House. 
Well, I'm not exactly sure the percentage of Republicans who actually voted for for Biden uh, in the state. I'm not. I don't imagine that it was a large number in Georgia. Um, that being said, you know there are motivated Democrats across the United States. Um, we saw that in terms of Biden's historic fundraising. We, Democrat, uh, he actually outraised Donald Trump at the end of the day. Right. You know that in Senate races, you know, in South Carolina and, and other places, uh, that we were huge sums of money. I expect that there will be a mobilization that's unprecedented in terms of donors. Uh, and in terms of uh, uh, volunteer support, to focus on Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. And I think that Warnock are going to get this basically a whole lot of money. Uh, And so whatever uh, the Republicans are going to do in terms of uh, Mitch McConnell spending, I think that the Democrats are going to be able to go toe-to-toe. Now, will they spend it correctly, and will they spend it correctly? That's the question. Right. Ralph, go ahead. Uh, this is from the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. Mexicans have distinctive views of Trump in the United States. U.S. President Donald Trump is not a popular man in Mexico. According to a survey conducted by the Washington Post and Mexico's Reforma newspaper, three-quarters of Mexicans, 77%, said they have a bad opinion of Trump. Eight in 10, 81%, say his treatment of Mexico is disrespectful. Mexico's President AMLO is having a hard time dealing with his impetuous northern neighbor. Now, that doesn't reflect how Mexicans view the United States-Mexico relationship, but that is a study on Mexicans can't stand Donald Trump. (laughs) And all I'm going to say is the Washington Post, real. So let me go with this with you, Ralph. Do you do you see Mitch trying to do to Biden what he was doing to um, to Obama and just stalemating, blocking everything? Do you think that's going to bode well for him and the Republican Party um, uh, coming to you know coming up to a midterm where they have like 33 Senate Senate races up? Do you see them doing that, or do you see them actually trying to compromise given the history that Biden and Mitch McConnell have? And that 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 Senate come you know that Senate partnership that they try to play on all the time. Honestly, at this point in in history, I don't see how this bodes well for Americans under any circumstance, regardless of how it ultimately concludes. What do you uh, mean you don't see how it, what bodes well? How the future for America bodes well, regardless of how this presidential election is ultimately concluded. I think regardless of whether um, Biden is ultimately declared the winner or whether Trump is ultimately declared the winner, I think the loser in this entire affair is going to be the American people. In our democracy, by the way. And and this is why. And it's because Donald Trump has trampled our, um, our democracy. He doesn't care about our norms. Uh, and he is willing to fight foreign actors and, you know, stonewall through legal means and other try to gain. Uh, and he has called the validity of the system itself. And so, yes, I agree with you that democracy is suffering and suffering the American people. And Kelly, I, I think I think the problem in, if, if, you, if I understood your question, you're asking, you're looking at 2022? 
Well, I'm looking like right now. So when when we look at the the, the current makeup, and let's say Mitch McConnell keeps the Senate, and mm-hmm. Biden is trying to get his policies through, is mm-hmm. is Mitch going to work with Biden, or is he going to no. block him like he blocked Obama? And yes. then with that, what is that going to mean for the GOP come 2022 and those 33 seats coming up? It means that they're going to do in 2022 what they did in 18. They're going to re they're going to they're going to regain. They're going to strengthen their hold in the Senate, and they'll probably lose the House because Americans right now are looking for Biden-Harris to improve their quality of life. And history of the Democrats recently shows me they don't fight. They They don't pull out knives and razors. They don't do scorched earth. They try to play fair. They try to hold hands and sing kumbaya. And Mitch McConnell ain't singing kumbaya. Right. When, you know, we're the Democrats are turning the other cheek and Mr. McConnell is going to slap you on the other side of your face. So uh, they better come in locked and loaded and they better. Uh, let me tell you this. I think they've already failed. They've already, they've already failed because look at uh, uh, Joe Biden ran more as a Republican than he did as a Democrat. He's trying to figure out how he's going to fit John Kasich into his administration. Why? So that he can dance with Mitch McConnell. Bad move, homeboy. Bad move. Don Kasich is a Democrat. Play that game. Go ahead, Maya. That that Biden has the potential to make the same mistake that Barack Obama did, by the way. Barack Obama came in backwards trying to appease the Republicans. Right. Because he wanted to claim that he was bipartisan right. and being fair. To hell with that. We need to just go in like that and just go straight guns and, you know, what is it, not guns and roses, go straight down the middle. There needs to be a top Democrat currently is not there and it hasn't been there. And I Did you go to Howard? You're so smart. Did you go to Howard? No, oh, I went to Prairie View <laughs> Texas girl. That's a Texas girl right there. Prairie View and I, 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 I thought you were in the political science department at Howard. But my life Fight and do something. They need to really like kick some behind. 
they, they, need to, they need to stop attacking the progressive part of the Democratic Party, such as AOC. And, you know, when you, you, know, uh, when you look at Ilhan Omar, uh, who helped the Democrats in Minnesota, when you look at um, uh, Rashida Tlaib, who helped the Democrats in Michigan, and now the, they want to attack the progressive side of the party. That that makes absolutely no no sense unless they're actually just trying to protect their financial interests and their and their benefactors and they're not really concerned about substantive policy for the base of their party. Mm. Something like seventy percent of Democrats want Medicare for all, right. and and the Democrats come out and say, "Oh, absolutely not. We have to stop talking about that." Well, if 70% of your party wants it, what, what are you doing? And why are you doing it? I, I, well, I think what they're looking at, Jason, is that, let's be honest, Joe Biden is probably not going to finish his first term if he inaugurates as president of the United States. Now, whether he um, perishes in office, or whether or not the 25th Amendment is invoked and he's removed Donald Trump, I mean Donald Trump. That's what you meant. That's what you um, meant. You meant Donald Trump. Trump. That's exactly what you meant. Because only his ass is going to get the 25th Amendment used on him. January of 22. Right. And the party is going to go to the left. And so you, um, Wilmer, will get exactly what you want. Because the um, the Marxist wing of the party, AOC, Tlaib, and Rashida, and the rest of them, and Harris, will then have control of the party and the Democrats will go completely left just as you want them to do. So all I would say Jason. is just patient. They're going to push this old man out of the White House and you'll get what you want. Just give it about 12 months. Jason. Now, the, 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 the Democrats, their only they problem is they, you're right, they don't know, they don't know how to fight. And because you have those factions between the Democratic Party, which is those sort of centrist, Folks, and then you got those super progressives. You know, it, it's the same thing we have here in Wisconsin. It's really a disconnect with the people. And the Democrat haven't right. the Democrats haven't done a good job of understanding right. what people are where. So in, in Wisconsin, one of the reasons they haven't understood that in Milwaukee in particular, it's not as progressive as they will tend to believe. Whereas in Madison is different. And they haven't done a good job of dealing with people or, or, and inspiring people. You know, so it, it's it's one of those things where Democrats, and they don't stick together. You and know, you talked about it earlier, Kelly, and I see the same thing happening where at one point I was pissed because they just turned their back on Obama. They just left right. them out there. Yeah. They don't do the same thing with Joe Biden. And what you see is, and this is the blessing and curse, Republicans are typically the same people. So they all march to the same tune. And yes, you do. Yes, well, you say yes, yes, you do. You guys you fall in line. With nothing but talking right. You guys fall in line. You guys fall in line, and you do it. There is never a reason. No, no, Ralph. 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 No, they don't. You guys walk lock up step with exactly what Mitch McConnell tell you to do. It don't matter if you red, blue, yellow, or green. You guys walk lock and step. You do exactly what the hell he tell you to do. You don't change. You don't change. You don't change lanes. 
This is actually what you do. Because the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, Ralph, if you guys were so independent like Democrats are, unfortunately, you would have voted his ass out and put Mike Pence in there. And hey, Kelly, let me give Mike you an Pence example. Let me give you an example. Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham said, Trump uh, is a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot, a toxic mix of demagoguery and mean-spiritedness and nonsense, and doesn't know the difference between truth and lies. That's Lindsey Graham in 
Oh, you just gave me four choices. <laughs> what other right. is there? What other choice is there, Ralph? <laughs> you you okay. have economic choices. You have okay. gen okay. and uh, class. You, so wow. you just break everything down in a little nice Ralph. little. It was a real simple question, bro. It was a real simple question. The statistician is a plus or, is a plus or minus five from four. You know, it, it was a real simple question. Because it's not a simple question. It is. Yeah, it is. It's multiple choice. Black <laughs> women, white you're women, black men, or white men. Choice. All right, Jason. Multiple choices in that. Is it? Is it black women? Is it white women? All right, let me do it this way. Let me do it this way. Let me let, let me change the question. Let me change the let me change the question, Ralph. Is it middle class? Let me change. I didn't, I didn't ask you that, Ralph. I didn't ask you that. So let me ask you this: What's the base of the Republican Party? The base of the Republican Party—that's that, also in flux. That's why we're getting ready to have a civil war inside the party for control. All right. So, Jason, what's what's the base of the of the Democratic Party? Black women. And how do they vote? And 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 what percentage do they vote in? Ninety-one. Ninety okay. something. That's why Joe Biden picked the back picked the black woman. Yeah. Okay. Right there, because so he needed. He needed 91%. He needed 91% of the black women that the base of the party to vote for him. Just like Republicans need 91% of white men to vote for them. That's their base. And that's what they played to. That's what Trump played to. And that's why Trump was able to get white men, the uneducated dumbass white men that he calls them dumbass. That was his words, not mine, in a, in a rally where he said, I like the ones that are uneducated. That's what his base is. The educated white men left his ass and came over to the Democratic Party and voted a split ticket. White women, suburbans, split their ticket and they came over to the Democratic Party too. Anyone, now you notice this, Ralph, only in the Republican Party do you guys value uneducated people. Whereas you would then turn to then point like Rob, like uh, Wilmer said, where you're going to sit here and accuse black people as being uneducated or stupid for voting for uh, Biden and Kamala, whereas their base is African Americans. That's for you say, But you just say that Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris because she's black and a woman, and he needed her to get the black vote. No, so no, I said he needed that for his base. Because of identity politics. No, no, no. It was his base. What, what's your base? What's your base? What's the Republican base, Ralph? White men. It's not economics. It's white men. It has nothing to do with economics. You said, but you also, in your little rant a minute ago, you did say it was economic because you made a distinction between uneducated and educated, which means that there's a wealth disparity between the two, so there's also an economic factor in there. No, so what I'm saying is, Ralph... can't be answered because you can't reduce it to simple numbers. What, what I'm saying is, is that that's how you guys have identified your base. We didn't identify the Democratic base that way. The Democratic base is black women. And as you know, black women vote in large numbers for the Democratic Party, but also, black women are the largest group of small business owners. So it's not uneducated. And, 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 okay. and for Donald Trump, that number has exploded in the last four years. What number? The number of women entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah. Look, let me bypass that. Uh, let, let, me, let me go to you, <laughs> to Jason. Uh, 
how how do we uh, defeat uh, the GOP in Georgia uh, come January? What, what do we need to do? Yeah, I, I, number one, I think you need to keep this momentum, and they they really need to figure out what's what's going to keep people passionate about going back to the polls. I mean, because I'll tell you, the the Republicans have it. You know what I mean? They Republicans have the passion, and if after a loss, it's nothing more like making sure you don't lose again. So they have to continue and feel like the, the battle's not won yet. You know what I mean? We, you got to make sure that the people in Georgia feel like, look, we still got some more to go. It's not over. And that, and if they, if they don't do that, then people start to get laxed, relaxed, and that's where you'll lose. Wilmer, you got 70 million people who voted for Trump. Even with the even with the racist rhetoric and, and 250,000 people dead, things like that. What what's that going to say to us? Because you got 20 million people unemployed, 100 million people who are on uh, health care uh, with pre-existing conditions, and you have a hearing tomorrow in the Supreme Court with Amy Coney Barrett with the ACA um, that's going to come up. And probably by the end of the year, they will have ruled on what they're going to do with this. How should Democrats either use that or play on that? Um, come in, you know, come in January. But more importantly, what does it say about America with 70 million people vote for someone who has been, as as, as I think uh, Andrew Gillum said, racists call you racist. I didn't call you a racist. So, you know, how do we deal with that? How do how do we as Americans actually look at and realize that 70 million people voted for this man and he only lost by a razor in certain in, in a few states? Well, that Amer- that too many Americans would rather eat their racism than sit down and have a fine meal, and that and that their blindness and their allegiance to their whiteness uh, is is costing them dearly in terms of their quality of life, and that they keep voting. I mean, that's that's the that's Thomas Frank's book. What's the matter with Kansas? Is how did all these white folks in Kansas vote for Ronald Reagan when he was basically decimating the economy in their state? And so uh, that that's 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 what has to people have to come to grips with, and they and and at some point folks got to come to grips with the fact that America is and always has been a racist country, and until Americans come since we got here in 1690, first of all, the whole idea of race race is an artificial construct; it doesn't exist. There's no biological definition or support for the construct. It was created to rationalize oppression primarily by Europeans in this country. That's where the whole idea came from. So, so until that gets addressed, uh, this problem is going to continue to exist. And to Jason's point about Georgia, uh, uh, Joe Biden needs to come up with some serious, clear uh, policy to explain to people in Georgia why control of the Senate for the Democrats is important. What is that? What will get passed? How will that being passed improve the quality of life for people in Georgia? That's what they have to explain. And if he comes up with something lame, like now he just announced his COVID panel, as though he just found out three weeks ago that COVID existed. I mean, he should he should have been he should be out here already saying what the what the program's going to be. So, man, he's he's behind the eight ball. 
He's he, he been too busy flip-flopping between a national mask mandate and then saying, oh, I can't do it, or yes, I can, no, I can't, yes, I can. I agree with that. So, Ralph, what's, what's going what's gonna to come up on Georgia? Are, are your, is, your, is your people going to, uh, uh, as, as Jason said, you guys have something to fight for? You, you mad because you lost, so now you're coming out? No, I told you before, I'm not making any predictions. What I've said, and I'll, I'm going to repeat myself, and no, want is for every legal vote to be counted, every invalid vote not to be counted, and whoever wins at the end of the day, at the end of this process, will be the President of the United States, end of discussion. And I think that's reasonable. We're going to count all those legal votes, Ralph. We're going to make sure they're legal for you. I'm going to watch them personally, because I like you. You're my boy. I like you. I mean, that's what we all want as Americans. We all want an election process that is clear and clean. That's all we want. And once that's been determined, whoever wins, as I said earlier in the show, God bless them. You're in charge. We're going to hold your feet to the fire. You know, I personally, I'm not going to be out looting a, a, a Kmart trying to get a big screen TV. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> my good Democrat Jason. friends, that if they lose an election, you know, they go out and have to riot and vote. Wow. Go out if, there, Jason, and get them people who I gotta who go, man. All them votes, man. Who all them I gotta votes. go because I I got looting I gotta do. I, I gotta go. <laughs> okay, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, Jason. Yeah, what's I start, I start looting at eight forty. What's what's at stake for us, Jason? You know what? I think it's today from the policy to where we go, and you know it's incumbent on us, and I think everybody hit on it that we have to start having our agenda and a plan before we start putting all these people in office, man, because once they hear, it's almost too late. late. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you where you can go to get the plan. Go to the Gary Convention, 1972. The plan was written there. The the, the plan's already there. And and what was written at the Gary Convention needs to be tweaked a bit because the, the data has changed, but the issues are still the same, unfortunately. Unfortunately. I, I have, a, I have a, 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 a stack of Ebony magazines, the original Ebony's, the, the big ones, you know, with the 11 by 17. Or the, you don't look that old. I'm not. My, my uncle, <laughs> my uncle, I got it from my uncle. Uh, he saved them all. So he has all these ebony magazines that he gave me that i was just so interested in because i'd never seen them before i'm like wow what is this he's like oh he's ebony i'm like what so i have them and and clearly we're still talking about the same issues that, that we were talking about then and we're dealing with the same circumstances uh for it. ralph what's at stake for us uh well it's a, honestly it depends on the us um what's black folks stake? ralph black folks what's at stake for black folks ralph um what's at stake for black folks if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris get in the White House, what's at stake is what is he going to do for you for your blind allegiance? What's he going to do? You gave it to him for nothing. You demanded nothing. He promised nothing. Or what are you going to get? That's what's at stake for blind folks if Biden actually happens to pull this out. It, it's already pulled out, Ralph. It, it, it's not going to be overturned unless you guys go to court and just lie about it and, and just steal it. It's already done. All right, Wilmer, what's at stake for us, man? <laughs> well, to a great degree, with the exception of, of the of the whole, you know, stupid black people voting thing, uh, I think Ralph has a Ralph has a very good point. Is that 
we voted for we voted for Biden not because we're stupid. We voted against fascism. That's one thing. We oh. voted against a fascist Donald Trump. We voted against uber nationalism. We voted against uh, uh, hyper partisanship. We voted against uh, uh, a, a dictator. We voted against corporate interest and control in our government. Uh, if you look up the definition of fascism, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, so we voted to stop fascism in this country. And we voted for space in which to operate. Because we know under the Trump administration, for us, zero space to operate, zero interest for us to progress. Uh, so we're voting for space in which to operate, and then we expand within that space. That's what we voted for because we are conscientious, concerned voters. We are not just ignorant sheep like Ralph wants to continue to try to make us out to be. So, okay. Your turn, Jason. I, I, I had Jason. I had Jason. My, my had uh, some connection problems, so we had to go over there. Um, we're, we're looking at, at, at nine seats lost, red states coming up. And and certainly in the midterms are going to be crazy because I really think uh, Democrats will probably lose the House in 2022 uh, with uh, a lot of those seats that they picked up in 18 because they were red seats. And I don't know that they have have a plan or a program to put it together. Depends on what happens in this this first two years. Uh, what's going to happen if they get if they get the Senate and they can really put some stuff together and do some progressive policies to get the progressive in. And, and I, I usually end with what's at stake, but let me say this, uh, Wilmer, and, and, and check me on this. What, how does the party decide that they're going to embrace their progressiveness, embrace their, their moderateness, right, and still have that, that ability to talk about the issues in their respective districts? They feel like it has to be one issue or one uh, one, one policy perspective that has to carry throughout the whole issue, like the Republicans do. Republicans have their three main guns, abortion, the courts. And, and, and you're going to stick with that and you're going to stay with that. And you're not going to, I mean, so many of them will vote for just one issue alone and disregard everything else. Whereas Democrats never do that. They have to have the whole ball of wax. They can have all three, they have to have all four. They never vote just one issue and leave it. So that's why they're always splitting tickets and not voting and doing everything else. What and how do Democrats coalesce, keep their progressive, grow it, keep their moderate and grow it, and just use that to be able to build a, a cohesive party rather than splitting it and always going in different directions? Well, they have to stop being uh, schizophrenic, and they have to start being consistent. And what I mean by that is since the election of Bill Clinton, the the, the Democratic Party has been has been moving further and further and further right, whether it was the DLC or whether it was Barack Obama and Joe Biden under Barack Obama. They've been steadily moving the Democratic Party to the right. And what they need to understand is this whole socialism tag and all that kind of foolishness. Look, in the midst of climate change, uh, you do need to you do you do need a Green New Deal. And I use that term in lowercase, not in the actual formal Green New Deal plan, but right. you do have to start speaking to right. ecological issues because right. otherwise we're all going to be underwater. Uh, in the midst of a pandemic, you should have figured out that universal health care 
is important. When 185,000 people a week during the Trump administration have been filing for unemployment every week since July, 185,000 people have been filing for unemployment, which means what? They've lost their health care. Right. So these are some, some fundamental consistent things that very few people will argue about conceptually. It's a matter of how do you structure policy and convince these folks that this is in their best interest? If you can, if the Fed can give zero interest loans to Goldman Sachs and the financialized side of this economy with this whole foolish trickle-down economics with George Bush called voodoo economics, yeah. why don't we try trickle up? Because most economists that you talk to will tell you the way you salvage your economy is not by awarding hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars in tax cuts to businesses to create business, which they haven't done. They don't do. You do it by bottom up. Right. That way people demand product that businesses can provide. Yeah. With that, I want to thank my guests, Dr. Wilmer Leon, Dr. Maya Cummings, Representative Jason Fields, and my good friend, Ralph Chetham Sr. Um, this is, is, is what we're talking about. Black America, America, where are we? What are we going to do? We have to look beyond and look beyond where we are right now because certainly these, uh, the, the Senate race is going to be important. Um, what happens with this administration and where it takes us is going to be important. Um, Ralph makes good points in, in terms of economic areas and, and, and suggestions. Of course, as Roma said, we're not stupid. And we don't kowtow to the, 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 the uh, ball and chain of what the Republican Party is. And certainly, as, as, as the case in 2016, we certainly don't kowtow to the ball and chain of what the Democratic Party is. We know how to sit our asses at home and make you suffer. And then we know how to come out with the idea of not wanting a dictator, a fascist, a liar, a racist, and so many other things with that. An idiot. And we want to be able to take care and move forward. I'm saying to you guys, if you're out there, if you're in Georgia, if you're in Mississippi, if you're in Alabama, wherever you are, get your butts to Georgia. I'm going. I'm going right after uh, uh, mid-December, and I'm going back in January for the, for the, uh, uh, the get-out-the-vote uh, to make sure that we do something to try to make sure that not only we get another African-American senator, but that we can actually get some policy and progress through. Because certainly if we don't do that, if Mitch McConnell is left in charge of the Senate again, we already know what he's going to do. He's already done it. It's no big secret. He's already told us that he's going to block Biden. He already said it. And he's willing to block him and willing to take the chance to see what happens in 2022. Unfortunately, like Jason said, Representative Field, Democrats need to learn how to fight. As Maya Cummings said, Democrats need to learn how to fight. And as uh, Wilmer said, they need to learn how to kick some behind because they don't do it. They're fighting with kid gloves. They're not bringing, uh, they're bringing a knife to a gun battle, and they're not understanding what's, and quite frankly, everything is still at stake. Even though we won the election, everything is still at stake. And for those of you who voted in this election, those of you who came out, those of you who were excited, who were cheering, who were dancing in the street, do not give up on this ticket like you gave up on Obama-Biden ticket. The midterms are places where you need to be just like it's a presidential election because your life depends on it, your courts depend on it, your livelihood depends on it, your house, your health care, 
everything that was important to you in 20 is going to be more important to you in 2022. So get your behinds out there. Do what you got to do. Because certainly, if you have a pre-existing condition, your butt's about to be on the chopping block come tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. when the U.S. Supreme Court listens to California versus Texas and a health care battle to get rid of the entire health care system of the Affordable Care Act. And if you think about if you are a recipient of what you're able to get through the ACA, if they vote that out and the Supreme Court decides that it is unconstitutional after they already decided it was constitutional, you're pretty much SOL, as my grandmother used to say. You're just SOL. So get out there. Do something about it. I want to have you join me and help me as we get ready for this new year, as we rebrand and move forward, and the Black Reset. We're going to put forth the Black Reset. We're going to uh, work together with people like Ralph, because I believe that regardless of what party you are, GOP or, or, or the Democrats, we need to come together and support and build up black folks. And so we have to get out there and get the Black Reset. And I want you to text me at TBR20, a space your first name, a space your last name, and a space your email address. TBR20, first name, last name, email to 59769. Text us there if you're going to support us, if you want to help us out to make sure that we go about and putting together plans, programs, agendas, and things like that to make sure that we're not left behind. Representative Fields, we're going to be working with him. I'm going to try to coax Wilmer in there. His magnitude of all his understanding, we want to get him in there too, and Ralph as well. Because we need to make sure that we do what we have to do for ourselves. That's why I titled it the Black Reset. We have to reset our whole agenda as black folks. And we have to go out there and do something about it. So text us at TBR20, um, first name, last name, email address to 59769. Make sure you put a space between TBR20, your first, last, and email, and send that to us. And we send your email. Collectively, we'll get together and we'll do something about it. Until next time. We're going to start uh, doing the rebranding, putting everything together, and we're going to try to do this every week where we're live through Zoom, our uh, StreamYard, every week uh, for our show so that you can see, hear, our, uh, hear our, um, our panelists, see our panelists, and truly engage yourself come 2021. We're going to look forward to putting that forward. So we want to sign off now. We want to thank you for joining us. Keep us in your mind. Keep us in your prayers. Support us. Keep us watching, listening to us every week, Monday night. Subscribe to our magazine, Black Politics Today magazine, the only political news magazine that we've ever had in print or digital that's out there right now. Go to our website and subscribe right now. Until next week, if it's social, economic, or political, it's Black Politics Today. I want to thank my guests again. Thank them. I appreciate you, Wilmer. Thank you, uh, uh, Maya. Thanks, Jason. Rev, love you, my brother. I'll take you guys out, man. Take care of your mom. Take care of your mom, too. All right, you too, uh, Jason. Take care of your mom, and we'll see you next week. Until then, right? Thank you for listening to Black Politics Today on I for What's at Stake in Global Politics with your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Join us live each Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Until next time, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and download us on iTunes at Black Politics Today.